You want to do this? Yeah. Back to the throne. We kept it warm for you. Oh, well, there's Travis just kept, one Travis throne? kept it warm for you. Um, yeah. And he has a sort of residue mm-hmm. that you're just going to love, I guarantee. If it. you have my cellar water, that'll actually take it out right away. Uh, your what? <laughs> my cellar water. What the fuck is cellar water? I think he meant to say seltzer water, but he left out. My cellar water. <laughs> it's not my cellar. My cellar water. Is that like a regional thing? My cellar water! <laughs> the water from your cellar? My cellar water. My cellar water. This is, this is the, I am dis- fully dissociating right now. Hey, Griff? Yeah. My cellar water. Yeah, you can say it as much as you want. Is Holy this... shit, you guys don't know anything about anything. Is this the new season of Twin got... Peaks? Y'all fucking my cellar water. M-I-C-E-L-L-A-R. That's not how it's spelled. My cellar. M-I-C-E-L-L-A-R. My cellar. cleans What the fuck is that? It's just cleans makeup. You guys have killed me. You've killed me. I'm slain. There's there's an article on lower than 19 micellar waters that remove your makeup in one simple step. Why do we need so many? And why do you guys not know about micellar water? You know what else removes makeup in one simple step? Hot water. Hey, everyone. It's me, Griffin McElroy. Let's get back to basics, y'all. <laughs> what comes from the earth is of the greatest word. <laughs> micellar water. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know that <laughs> it's not even applicable. A good, the best show of the summer. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best caffeine guy of the guys. My name is Russ Frashikinano, the best game of the week. I can't believe I called him Caffeine Guy. And yeah, not that's, Mr. Caffeine. It, that's what people know him as is caffeine. Just friends, though. No, I'm just Yeah, friends call him Caffeine Guy. Mr. Caffeine is Caff. My caff. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the Besties, which is a video game club. And just by listening, you, my friend, are a member. Normally, we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment, but today we're um, it's, it's sort of a, a bittersweet episode, I think, uh, with lots of prognostication and uh, what's the opposite of that? Fornication, I guess. Mm. About E three, probably not the Electronic Three. I have no plans to fornicate about the Electronic Entertainment Expo on this fine morning. Uh, Russ, real quick, what's E three? It was this show that existed for a while since, like, I don't know, the mid nineties, where they'd show like all the coolest and hottest and latest video games. And over the last couple of years, it's had a bit of a downturn, a bit of a rough patch. Few and, and now it's kind of just roasted and toasted. And despite that, there are still a bunch of announcements happening in the next week or so. So we thought uh, maybe this would be a good opportunity to not only lay the reef on its grave, E3, but also make uh, some predictions about what we can expect. Um, that is what we are doing this week. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Then we'll get right back to it. Y'all, 
you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want. Get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rockandmoney.com slash besties welcome uh first off before we begin this discussion b3 welcome to the show chris Plant. oh thank you thank you so much for having me our special e3 correspondent sounds great i was gonna ask what where you've been but you sound like a dog's dinner <laughs> so <laughs> i think that answers itself you're yeah, not well i've been yeah, eating a lot of dog's dinner yeah, yeah you, sound, you sound sexy. Thank you. I can't handle it. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, I actually did this just for you. Eat eat E3. some vitamins, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's actually the problem is I was I was given a lot of vitamins and I, I ate, I like chewed on like just a ton of them. Not oh, supposed no. to do that. No, no you no. got to pick and choose. No. Okay, yeah. so if you've been out of the loop mm-hmm. with E3, here's the let me give you the like past five years <laughs> sum up. Uh, exhibitions were dwindling. There are fewer and fewer companies that were pulling out the all the stops for E3. Mm-hmm. Some were doing press conferences adjacent to it. Many had left the show floor entirely, uh, and many were predicting the death of E3. And then the novel coronavirus. Oh, oh, oh wait. Can well, I, there, can there I was some other thing? shit that yeah. they did before then. Go on. I was trying to get you, the, you, the, the, the big moments. We, oh, I would say this is a pretty big moment, especially for our own Christopher Thomas Plant, uh, when they uh, fully, fully doxed the entire gaming industry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that part sucked shit. Um, yeah. yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. I was going to talk about when they went full packs. And they were like, hey, you know what? What if we just let people pay to go to E3 and then didn't show anything? Yeah. What year was that? Were they- that was like two years. I they think were, that was 2018, was the last 2019. Two years, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So this is, I want to give a little bit of context here because I think that it's, it's, it's interesting because I was looking into it because in my head I was thinking like, boy, the attendance has really been dwindling for, for E3. Um, that's not actually true. So 2014, 15, 16, it was around 50,000 people in attendance. And then for the three years after that, 2017, 2018, and 2019, the attendance was in the like high 60,000s, so 68, but, 69, 66. But, well, hold on. Yeah. The, what that belies is the exhibitor count went from 300 in 2016 to 280 in 2017 
to 200 in 2018 and 2019. So the show got 33% fewer exhibitors and uh, what would that be like? 30% more <laughs> attendees at, at the show. I think that uh, it was 2019 that they opened it up. No, it was before that, that they opened it up to 10,000 like uh, uh, attendees when they tried to make it like a maybe that f- was 2017 fan, maybe fan that fest. accounts yeah for that the might jump that might be it it also doesn't if you went back to like the like 2005 2006 the exhibitor yeah, number 000. would probably be like 10,000 because uh of kensha hall which was this amazing hall down in the basement of e3 and there'd be like tiny little like hobbit hole booths showing tiny little games but there were thousands of them it, yeah, so. I mean, also, E3 kind of already died once. Like, yeah, E3 true. 2005 had 70,000 people in attendance, dropped to two thousand or to 60,000 the next year. And then the year after that, 10,000, 5,000 after that. That was I think the those weird the Santa years. Monica year, right? Yeah, where they were in the, the, the high school, yeah. Yeah, yeah 2017 I, was the, so that tracks, that, that number increasing uh, in 2017. And then I, you had a huge fall off of, exhibitors after the first year it was open to the public, which I think is very is very telling to go from two eighty to two hundred. Yeah. Uh if the show's gonna yeah. be open it's, to the public. It's I always worry whenever like people on our side of the industry talk about the change of E three, we sound like fucking snobs because uh, you know, they open it up to the public and then it was just kind of a different thing. But I think there's something to be said for having a a show that is more intimate with the like uh you know press side of things so that you can actually do yeah. an interview and play a game and try something out like behind closed doors as opposed to waiting in a line for 3 hours to mm. play you know Super Mario Galaxy for 10 minutes. Yeah, I and I think that there was a lot of that criticism of the press when E3 first opened and people had not gone yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I think after people actually went and I mean it's just bad packs. It was it was packs. never designed to be packs, so it's not good at it. Yeah, that's actually the frustrating thing. That was the frustrating thing as a journalist, and I was at the tail end of my my journalism when when they opened it to the public. But like, it was the last year I think that I went, and the the problem is that they didn't build the show. Or I I don't I I don't wouldn't not minded having the public there if there was things for the public to do. There's just nothing for them to do. I I mean I I, I really looked at it from a consumer facing perspective like it wasn't worth going like it, it was just a rip off to go and they and the people that were there didn't have anything fun to do so they were just kind of like waiting yeah you know, eight hours for a game and making it harder to see anything they, they added stores like that was sure. their solution was not to like add more video game demo stations mm-hmm. it was like the same number of video game demo stations and then lots of places to buy platoon right. t-shirts Shit. when you're yeah. when you're covering it from the press uh, you almost never or at least historically you know back when we were doing that uh like the show floor was not where you did the work like usually right. you would go into like a back room in the booth where you could sit down with a developer and like play the game and like actually talk to them about it which like you just can't scale out to 50,000 like non non-industry it people, kills, right? It kills discoverability too. There you, there was a time in E3 where you could just walk around the show floor and you'd see games and just go play them. Like you'd yeah. see a stand and like just check it out. Nothing didn't have a line towards the end. I mean there was nothing like that. It was everything had had a line. To, to just as a point of comparison, two two points of comparison really quick. 
Uh, Gamescom, which is the biggest sort of show in in the world in Cologne, has uh, basically press and exhibitor only days. I think like the first two or three days of the event are that. And then they open it up to everybody. But that shit is like 11 halls, chock-a-block full of games. Like there's tons of stuff to do. Um, so, so, so the scale is totally different, but also as a like more, uh, I don't know, relevant point of comparison is, I don't know when they started doing it, but EA started to do EA play. Is that what, what was the event that they did? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was right next door. It was very, very close to the LA convention center and they would just fill a huge building with games and they would do live streams and press conferences and shows and shit. And if you went to that, you play whatever you wanted because they had they had scaled it up. They had the appropriate scale for the crowd that they were trying to get, and E three just never hit that sweet spot. So, okay, you guys are some of the smartest people I know in games. Given what we've been talking about, and given that, um, do you think? I mean, the ESA, for the record, says that they are coming back in twenty twenty three with uh, uh, an event. Um, I actually looked for this. And couldn't find it. I don't know how long their contract with the with the L.A. Convention Center is. I'm assuming that they have um, some sort of insurance for the past couple of years where that's been an issue. But I don't know how much longer they are um, wedded to doing something uh, during that time frame. Yeah, I mean, so I, I I can say a few things here. One, there have been rumors even before I believe the last contract negotiation with the La, Los Angeles Convention Center that they wanted to move to Vegas or another venue, which like honestly, frankly, better for both parties at this point. Like the Los Angeles Convention Center has uh, like the YouTuber convention as an anime convention around the same time. It it has better things for a large chunk of the audience that has overlap and it's time to start e3 over from scratch maybe being in a totally different venue makes more sense that said i think vegas is a pretty crappy place to put a convention that is going to largely be targeting a whole bunch of teenagers sorry i heard i thought Um, you cut out right after you said it's a crappy place (laughs) end of sentence i i will say just for the just to to that point los angeles uh lost out according to, to one report i read Lost out on eight, uh, uh, $83 million in revenue when the, when that's according to the Los Angeles City Tourism Department in 2019. So there is like, there's definitely a hit. 29,000 hotel rooms, um, were, were, you know, rented out by, by E3 attendees. So like, it's a big, it's a big blow not having it. And they, they may not be so happy to let it go. I think it's just a bad way to see games at this modern time we live in. Quite honestly, like I think the format of going to a convention and present like if you're a publisher and you're presenting games, the return on investment for creating a demo that's playable for this small portion of people that are going to play it is terrible compared to release a trailer, release a gameplay video, do a live stream, whatever it is, have your own event and don't have to fight for tooth and nail for attention is a much better proposition so i am not surprised that they are effectively moving away from all that and just having like show presentations in in, you know with summer game fest and microsoft and bethesda doing their press conference like effectively that is the most effective way to spend something like e3 the idea that that like again there'd be a show floor always felt like decadent to me and now especially so given the fact that like with the internet 
everyone can experience all that stuff from home and you'll get more eyes on it. Yeah, the, the, the one other thing that I'll say that's kind of building off what Fresh said is the ESA's goal is to advocate for the game industry, right? It's a whole bunch of publishers throwing money into this thing that in theory is like making sure that you continue to get to play video games. You know, these are the people who fight against uh, the Supreme Court, you know, making sure that games are uh, not censored. I mean, it's it's a battle that is effectively over now, but, you know, progress can always regress. But th- they, they're they also fighting for things that maybe we don't like. They're, they're defending for publishers. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that up front. The other thing is the reason that the ESA existed with E3 way back in the past was nobody cared about video games. So they needed to have one event every year that the New York Times, the New York Post, the Los Angeles Times, the Kansas City Star, every newspaper would send its, you know, one curious reporter to so that for one point a year, they could guarantee that they got coverage of video games. And the other thing here, they could bring in all the people from game shops. So Toys R Us, GameStop, all the buyers, buyers, and then they could see what was going to come out and know how they want to do their end caps, all that stuff. The press was, especially the games press, was a tiny, tiny, tiny reason of what to do this for. The fans was effectively negligible reason of what to do this for. So what's weird is the entire reason E3 needed to exist, all like those reasons are gone. You can do those things without E3 now. People are going to cover games without E3. Buyers are able to learn about games through directs or any other uh, other method. Yeah. And like Fresh said, the, all, what you're left with is this enormously expensive thing that doesn't really have a purpose anymore. I, I, I want to say, because I think up to this point, we have sounded um, at times like a, bit, a, dog's dinner. a bit cynical and a bit like a dog's dinner about, about this show. I want to make it abundantly clear that it, I think it sucks the moon out of the sky that, we no longer have this like anchor for the the year's gaming news. And obviously like E3 was never completely that, but I would always get excited for for one thing to like, you know, go to LA and hang out with my, you know, the the people I worked with that I liked so much. Mm. Uh and but but also just to like get that much new information and announcements and just the, the excitement around that was was palpable, and I, I genuinely look forward to it every year. Even after you know we we stopped going for for Polygon, uh, it was the most sort of exciting you know week and a half gaming wise out of the whole year. And it's it's still kind of that because we yeah, still get lots say of, it. of like you know Nintendo Direct and and press conferences and and stuff like that. But I I think it's not quite as I don't know. It's not. It doesn't pack a punch. It's more just evenly dispersed throughout the year. I think. Yeah, people and don't I think more publishers s- will just have their yeah. own events. You know, uh, Sony having its Sony event and EA having its EA event. Um, I it's I I get what you're saying, Griffin, but I also get the other side, which is just like it just does not make sense for these big publishers to just fight each other for attention in the busiest week of the year. So I'm not at all surprised. But that being said, I do think there will still be this period of two weeks and probably um, the video game awards are two essentially at this point, 10 poll announcement moments for the video game industry. Um, So if you care about new video games, like those are the 
two times to like really tune in and pay attention because that's when most of the big stuff gets announced. So still kind of a moment and uh, maybe that's a good segue into seeing if we could guess some of the stuff that will be. Well, yes. should, we, should we also mention that you mentioned the Game Awards, which have, mm. I mean, we've done, I think, an episode about the Game Awards and how f- fucking far it has come. Yeah. But also, Keeley is getting the Summer Game Fest 2022 going, which is like trying to be, I think, the heir apparent to the to the E3 kingdom. Yeah, that's and- certainly his goal when he's well positioned for it. And I think he, if he recreates something on the level of the Game Awards... Um, he definitely has the potential to do that. that. Traditionally, Summer Game Fest has been a slower, more contemplative kind of event. But I do think he is, if there's and a power, I think he's vacuum. a very smart, driven person. Yeah. I think his intention will probably be to slowly usurp this week and just make it, you know, another Jeff week, which yeah. uh, he's certainly capable <laughs> of doing. Hey, you're tuning in to another Jeff week. I'm here. <laughs> I'm down for as many Jeff weeks as that gentleman wants to provide. Um, I yeah I I I like Jeff. I mean Jeff complicated figure in the world of games, but at least with Jeff in all of all the Keeley stuff, Jeff and all the Keeley stuff is my new band. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, thank you. Um, you you know what you're getting. You know, like it's just going to be a fun marketing binge. Yeah, Good. man. And I will yeah, say this: he up. genuinely cares. Like it he might not, it might seem like cares. he doesn't, but he. Super really actually does. cares about the industry and video games in general. So that having someone that is like emotionally <laughs> invested in the thing uh, helps a lot. And I think having somebody, it is essential that somebody play on Giant Bomb. They always call him Traffic Cop. Like like play Traffic Cop in yeah. in, in this time frame. If we're not going to have a a single event that everybody's scheduling off of, you do need somebody who's like you go now, okay, and you do this. I just don't know if it makes sense to. I don't know if it's a good time frame for people to. Uh, fight to announce. I mean, like, I I think it's great. I will be very interested to see if doing a physical event becomes part of Keeley's purview, like something that he wants to try I don't think he needs to. I think it it can remain what uh, the Game Awards is, which technically a physical event, but close to a very small percentage of people, predominantly is a streamed event. Like, that's his audience. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think Keely also ran pre E3 in the past, yeah. which is where we could all do demos before E3. And I think like, I think he seems very keen on, Hey, everybody wants to do uh, like the press. will do that. That will help them cooperate with me. And then I like to make TV. Like, I think he just likes making TV. I, I, I don't think he wants to be in the, the event business because that's not making TV. Something like a junket circuit would make a lot of sense for for like an E3 event where a lot of people got together, but it were really just like, you know, running through a bunch of different interviews and had more of that like one on one time. Yeah. With the well, press who for was it that did that? Uh, Sony did that every year where they had like a hotel space rented out that was not oh, at the yeah. show floor. And you would just go and they would. It was fucking dope if you were a, a journalist because they would literally just like take you into a conference room for 30 minutes with all the other journalists there. They would show you, you know, um, some wild Sony game that maybe, or like Puppeteer that was not getting like uh, a bunch of coverage on the show floor. Uh, And then they would, or Tokyo Jungle. And then you would walk out and they would reset and then you'd walk back in like 10 minutes later and they would have like another, another game. Like it was very efficient. It was an efficient use of time. Forgot about that. 
Uh, should we should we talk about predictions? Yes. People are people are just like clamoring. Tell me tell me about the video games that are coming right now. Yes, Chris Plant. We will do just that. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we will uh, we'll come back and talk about some of our predictions. You go get a phone. You just want a phone. Talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts, and you get ripped off because they got all this fine print, little details, and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know, who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense. Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. Fifteen dollars a month when you purchase a three month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode of The Besties is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, this is not my prediction. This is one that you're seeing in a lot of the less reputable outlets. I'm loving it. Uh, that we might get the announcement of a Dreamcast Mini <laughs> this uh, this this season. Sega tweeted that they had an, uh, this is the translation from a uh, video gamer. Urgent notice: live broadcast to announce Sega's new project will be delivered at eight p.m. on June third. So, like, that's specific. I, I mean, that's specific, y'all. It's gonna be on Sega's YouTube. I think channel. it's Eastern time, but but but. It, didn't it have like a photo of a really ugly Sega Genesis controller cake with it? Uh, 
they did, but they've already done a mini console of that particular. And thing. they did so a they terrible job, if I recall. Uh, yeah, have you have you met Sega? They yeah, will Sega. release it over and over again. Yeah, I think we're gonna stick with Dreamcast Mini, and you guys actually could come up with your own fucking predictions and not try to shoot me down. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I think I think you're right. Dreamcast Mini and and, and what are the five games that are going to be on it? Who was it? <laughs> are you, I can I can Power Stone Shinmu Sonic Adventure. That, who was it? It was somebody we worked with at Vox. And I think that he was on the Verge side. Who like <laughs> in 2009 E3 was swearing up and down that they were about to announce Dreamcast Two. That he was like, it's 2009, 999, it's happening again. <laughs> We're doing it again. God, it's so funny. Um, all right, guys, seriously, come on. What you got? Oh, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask maybe the group a couple questions, and, and, and maybe you'll answer. So question A, do we think we'll see gameplay of the Elder Scrolls game? Or at all? Do you think it's even going to show up? No, well, I, I don't think you can show that until you get Starfield gameplay shown to people. That's because true. that game's actually coming out. Do we yeah, think we'll see Starfield know. gameplay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it, de- yeah. it did get delayed, so. Yeah, but like you, they want they don't want it to seem like vaporware, I think. So I, I, I would not be surprised if they, if they showed a little something, something. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I don't know where it would appear. But I feel like uh, a DLC announcement for Elden Ring feels kind of yeah. I was going to inevitable. Suggest that as well, um, mm-hmm. just because it is still the fucking hottest game out there. What four four, four months after? I'm God, trying to really, remember. You know how much I would love a reason to return. I'm trying yeah, to remember which that's the idea. Which of the major publishers had the announcement for Elden Ring, or at least the latest trailers? Because usually Microsoft or Sony has like the the tight relationship and it'll probably be during that press conference if i had to guess it was uh, announced in at e3 2019 but who did it do, do you want me to just start listing off some some predictions yes, like, yes. i got some that i'm just i'm just ready to burn yeah uh, i'm gonna dump a lot okay i i think um i think capcom has like is best position to like just blow up interesting the show because Capcom's on a hot streak, right? Like, yeah. they just keep making bangers. They had an amazing we, last year. It was... Special. Yeah, well, they've had a past few years. Yeah. And we know that Resident Evil Village has DLC yeah. coming, right? There's we know that Street Fighter Six MMA, we haven't seen gameplay of it, but we've seen a trailer for it. There's right? still... Uh, the the 4 remake is still supposed... The Resident Evil 4 remake is still the, supposed to be... The Resident Evil 4 remake... Works. Something monster. It, it was Xbox, by the way. Elden Ring was was Xbox. Oh, okay. Uh, show, yeah. That sounds Sorry, good. Um, yeah. There's there's got to be something Monster Hunter. Um, well, Monster and, Hunter has Sunbreak coming out yeah, in like a minute, it, so that's probably yeah, the Monster Hunter yeah. announcement. So they'll have something to show. Yeah. The other huge thing that I think will be like the big thing, even though I don't know how many people care about it, is the Sony's VR stuff. Mm. Like they've been developing games for that in quiet for years. Um, and it feels like it just was getting delayed, I assume because of the pandemic or maybe because it was tech shortage. Um, but it feels like they have, it, from what I've heard on background about that, like 
There's just a ton of stuff that has not been shown publicly. And I wouldn't be surprised if they come out with a bang for state of play and just be like, here it is. Here's everything. Um, we're going to have the, like, this is effectively a second console launch. Yeah. The only weird thing is like, who cares if you can't get the PS5? Yeah, fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's true. Do you think maybe that's that is a potential thing for for them? I don't know what the, it looks like, whether it's like a well, I, I mean, if you can't model. get a PS5, you probably can't get a ton of PSVR either. So if they f- match the install base of the existing PS5 owners, yeah, that is probably the bulk of how many they could even make in the first place. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I also I'm curious what y'all think, but I feel like Half-Life Alex has to be their like killer. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Like they, which is, you know, they have all these other games I'm sure they're excited about, but if they're smart, Valve is smart. Like VR Orange Box 2. (laughs) How tight would that be? Oh, I mean, that would be, that would be a lot, um, a lot of, a lot of chatter about that Alex thing. It'd be, it'd be nice to see that actually come to more people playing that would make a lot of sense. Do you think we'll see God of War? I feel like we we have to, right? God of War. Get a okay. You're gonna see a new trailer for God of War Ragnarok, and then it will say coming in early 2023. Mm. There, I think there is. I would if I'm Sony. I'm I'm I do wonder how much of this is happening, but like if you're Sony, don't you just keep sit and you're selling consoles so fast that you can't act not so fast, but so you know. Your your supply is so constrained. Don't you keep as much dry powder as you can? Well, oh no. Do you know why you, you release God of War? Because your sales on the PS4 and on PC are out of this world. Yeah. And is it coming to the to to it's PS4? probably not it's coming, it's to, coming PS4. to PS4. It is. And it'll come to PC at some later probably a game. year later. I guess come that's to true. Yeah. I and and you don't want to you don't want to waste time keeping you know. The longer you sit on it, the longer it's not on PC. Well, yeah. and also, um, like, they are positioned to effectively own the holiday season because so many games have gotten pushed. So this can be the big game for the holiday season. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting, the idea, too, that, like, if they're still working on a constrained supply for PS5, maybe you reissue in a year, you know, to get, like, another wave of people who want to play it on PS5. You reissue with some DLC or something. Um, when PS5s are more plentiful. Yeah, they also have to be careful not to start overstocking up because they have Spider-Man 2, which is going to have to be, a, I assume, a fall release. And then they have the the Wolverine video game. So I figure like Spider-Man 2 is what, maybe 2023? Wolverine is 2024? Um, yeah, I don't know. You, they don't have a ton of studios, but the ones that they do have make good games. I have another question for the group. Yeah. Yeah. And we've gotten this wrong in the past. Mm. Will we see, will the words even be said, Hollow Knight Silk Song? Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> will it even um, be mentioned as a thing that exists? I don't think it will because I don't think Nintendo's going to be a part of this. It wouldn't have you to be You don't think Nintendo. Nintendo's going to do, hold on, you don't think Nintendo's going to do a June Nintendo Direct? I think they'll do one, but I don't think it'll be anywhere near any of the other stuff. I, huh. I think that they're they're now smart enough to be like okay they'll either do it like I mean I, it would be they'd this rather week, run a com- or, conversation yeah exactly I mean. yeah they're they're too smart for this and, and again it wouldn't I mean it's coming to PC too so technically it wouldn't have to be during and, Nintendo yeah oh man if they announced it like the PC gamer show instead of <laughs> or, no, or I, fucking I would be Keely's shocked. thing the yeah, the I mean, summer game true. fest 
That would be that like a huge true. pickup, right? It's coming to PC too. So uh, Nintendo clearly has, I don't know, slept on it. I, not that it's probably I, their decision to do so. But, I'm sure uh, it's not. I'll be real though. I think Nintendo, a, a, a Nintendo Direct gets a bigger audience than all of Keeley's stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I doubt it. I mean, the focus of, you know, not only Nintendo Direct, but also the Microsoft and Bethesda press conference, you know what you're going to get. Whereas with Summer Game Fest, uh, we, there hasn't been like a quote normal year of Summer Game Fest yet. So this is kind of the like year to demonstrate it. Um, and I think once it's more of an established thing, people will know what to expect. But right now, people don't. So it's a harder thing to sort of lock your time into. Uh, okay, I, I got a question for y'all. Okay. Persona. It's the big Persona anniversary year. Are we going to see a new Persona game? I mean, are during... we counting like spinoff? They're playing soccer now? No, like a core a core Persona like game? Yeah. Uh, when when would that be announced? I, I don't know. Like, so would... here's, here's, here's my theory. We finally get Persona 4 for Switch or something that's like everybody's been asking for and we get that now for the year of persona right mm. and then at the game awards at the very end of the year that's when we get persona 6 announced mm. yeah i could see and that. it's like two years out yeah yeah but we're I, like due for it right like it, it's it should be soon. yeah and they already released the like re-release of it with the new content and stuff for, for five i should say so yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and they've done the spin-off the mozu spin-off they more or less have mined persona five a lot yeah as much as they did four i mean well that's not entirely true but they've they, yeah they've, they've done a lot um i'm trying to think of other stuff i i mean again getting into like japanese publishers square enix is like sitting on a fair amount of stuff that yeah. we know about right Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. Might make maybe it some sort of trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Final Fantasy um, 7 Part 2. Where's the Embracer group? You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a very good question. Yeah. So, like, so Square just lost they have for people at home. That? For people at home. Square just sold a large portion of their Western developed franchises to, as Justin said, the Embracer group, which is an enormous conglomerate of. Uh, publishers Humongous. at this point because it's just been I mean, beyond, it, yeah, right? it's 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 mind numbing. I mean, it's a Swedish group and they hold most of the <laughs> most a of very the large portion of the games industry is now owned by the Embracer Group. So if it sounds a little dystopian, that's because it is. Uh, but that does leave Square with like I think it's tradition. Certainly, Final Fantasy's Personas of the World. Wait, that's Atlas. Anyway, it leaves it with those traditional. Uh, square franchises but not necessarily with the like deus ex or tomb raiders of the world yeah yeah and this is thq nordic if you remember the discussion of thq nordic that is the embracer group which is not thq to be clear it's very it's not the original the original thq which is dead yes um, they bought thq they called themselves thq nordic and then that no one they changed it back yeah um, <laughs> like why so why? now it's the em embracer group which holds like THQ Nordic, all those holdings, the THQ stuff that they bought, things like Dark uh, Stalkers? Is that the fighting game? No, no, Dark no, no, no. Siders. Uh, yeah. Um, Gearbox, Dark Horse, uh, lots, lots I mean, of just stuff. tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. Yeah. Dizzying amount. Uh, speaking of very, very, very large companies, I, I am curious if we see much from Tencent. 
Um, Tencent is the uh, Chinese everything company. Right. Amazon is like close to what you could compare them to, except for they own tons of software companies. They own Riot. They own a, a large stake of Fortnite. Uh, not Fortnite of Epic. Epic. Yeah. Um, they, they they just made a motto. Yeah, they 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 have their hands in, in a ton of stuff, but they also have been making a very aggressive push into uh, opening uh, studios in America. Uh, honestly, like a lot near where I live, including uh, acquiring the studio Turtle Rock that made uh, Back for Blood and you know effectively made Left for Dead before that. Um, so I know that they want to start having kind of that brand recognition that mm-hmm. a EA or a Ubisoft has here. Um, but you know, they've been working on some games already for, I think a couple of years, but that st- still might be a couple more years out before they make that huge push. I will say the the company that I'm most excited to see stuff from during the E3 period is probably Devolver. Just by nature of like their hit to miss ratio has been so excellent in recent years. Yeah, Uh, really good taste level with that company, I feel like. I completely agree. I mean, last year, you know, Inscription and um, Death's Door, uh, some like really excellent games coming from Devolver. And I think they have very good taste. Um, So I, I don't know if they're doing like their normal, very meta insane uh oh they will yeah it would be wild for them to stop doing that now but uh yeah i'm always that's always very entertaining Mm, is that did you guys realize they're still making pixel games sorry i just saw that on the the devolver website (laughs) um i guess the only question we haven't really gone into is whether you know again we don't know the extent to like nintendo's plans for E3 period, but I do think that there will be certainly a summer direct, if not a June direct, um, whether something like a Metroid Prime would show. Because at this point, it's been so long. Yeah, who knows, man? I don't know, man. Because it's like, is Breath of the Wild 2 going to be there as well? Like, do they just like say, do they just do both? Yeah, <laughs> I like, think here, with Breath of the Wild... Here's stupids. <laughs> I think with Breath of the Wild, they are so confident that they could wait and given the fact that it got delayed until next year they could wait into the fall for a breath of the wild 2 like gameplay like really showing a lot of gameplay and be fine um so i would be shocked if there was very much breath of the wild 2 during e3 quite honestly no i imagine if they do uh, they have to do one i imagine there's more they just did a pokemon trailer this morning but you know there's a lot to talk about there um splatoon 3 seems like they they always do a ton of stuff about that every time it comes out. Yeah. Um there's yeah. Kirby DLC? I think I'd be the only person who'd be excited for that. Did Bayonetta 3 come out? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So I I do think we should talk about Xbox because in theory they should have a, a ton of stuff, right? They have their own event and they have roughly all of the studios now. They have a lot of studios. Uh, the, yeah, they're, they're, they could talk about Activision stuff. So they could talk about Call of Duty. They could talk about Blizzard. You know, with Overwatch Two, which I guess, sure, Bethesda, um, Bethesda with yeah, Starfield, which we mentioned. Which for people who who don't know what that is, Starfield is their like sci-fi version of uh, you know 
uh, I don't know, Elder Scrolls. It's basically. Skyrim in space. I think Skyrim in space. Skyrim's ten, 10 years old at this it, point, and people know it. it so, it, yeah, and 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 this game has been in development for about all of those ten years. Yeah. Um. Uh. It, yeah, I'm I'm curious for y'all. Like, what do you think we actually see from them? Yeah, Xbox I mean, we is always about... the biggest. Xbox has evolved to the point where it is the most unpredictable of all the of all the shows. Because I feel like there's some like tried and true stuff that you can anticipate seeing, right? Like more Halo Infinite content in some form. Um, uh, probably a ton of shit from Bethesda. I think they would be foolhardy not to do that. They usually do like you know a a, uh, a sports block. But then they'll come out and be like, and Platinum Games is doing a fucking Popeye beat em up. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so I, I, I could not. I also don't own an Xbox. So, like, you know, I'm a full Sony crony, and that's where I'd rather sort of oh my put my energy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it, you're right. It's, it's t- tough to predict because uh, even though they have a lot of studios, I do think they also bring out, like, a surprise like classic franchise that they're rebooting or you know sure, a, a yeah. psychonauts 2 sort of equivalent um so i don't know uh, yeah. yeah i i just in talking this through it kind of explains why e3 has changed and will have to change too is the massive consolidation in the industry really has just made it that like four or five companies can do directs and you see basically everything that the industry has to offer outside of indie games, like people who operate outside of that system. But yeah, I mean, you remember like we used to go see Activision do a thing and Blizzard do a thing. And if you wanted to go attend their booth, King, the the mobile game manufacturer make a thing and then Microsoft and Bethesda and now all of those are just the same company um yeah it's just true. weird um yeah I, I I think in terms of Microsoft the the stuff that I I, I feel like we can kind of count on I feel like they have to do a mea culpa for the Halo infinite multiplayer rollout and maybe they give us a like plan uh for how they're going to that yeah, back on track Halo infinite something is is a good it's a good way a place to like start fresh or something some sort of or maybe a co-op they'll they'll he, announce yeah may uh, i think well here's the deal they they have i i've been sort of staying on top of the halo infinite stuff just because i continue to play it here and there and they have released things like um roadmaps and like when to expect like co-op multi uh co-op campaign stuff they've like all they've already revealed a lot of that stuff the Mm. the problem is their pace is still glacial just in terms of Mm. what they're releasing so like Mm. the current season is another six months so if they were to announce something today anything significant probably wouldn't happen Mm. until the next season and then we're looking at december at that point um so uh, you know i think they could tease like campaign DLC or something like that to like further the story along. But in terms of the multiplayer, you know, I think they don't want to do a big, big push until they feel like this is something that they can really support on the level of an apex or on the level of uh Fortnite. Um, is that it? I think we predicted everything. Oh, I think we did. It, it feels pretty thoroughly predicted at this point. Yeah. Yeah. We predicted its balls off. <laughs> I have an honorable mention, and it's for a book I wrote. 
Oh is that gosh. okay? Oh, you're going to steal mine. This is going to be Let mine. Justin, do it. Justin so you do it. I'll, you, I'll feel more comfortable if you do it. I am so excited that uh, I have a, a book coming out. It's kind of a co-authorship where I wrote uh, some of the book. It's called The Book of Fun. It's it's. I don't want to spoil too much of it by describing it in detail, but it's like a lot of different stuff about fun things. And it's a book I wrote, I co-wrote. And uh, it's coming out like June, probably 13th or something like that. And maybe 14th. Now that I think oh about my it. God. Flag Day. Flag Day is an easy way to remember. But um, I'm really excited about some of the different chapters like chess and um, Leisure Suit Larry are two of the different chapters I have in it. Russ, you have. You, you contributed you something wrote, to the book, you right? You contributed Russ? to it, right? I did. Uh, Justin. Well, Barry. no, no, no. Sorry, before uh, Fresh goes, I should also mention that uh, the book is inspired by uh, an idea that I created uh, for a oh, podcast. That's, that's, sorry, plant. No, no, no. It, it's it, it's okay. Credit's due. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry, Fresh. Uh, you did. And something? also, I just wanted to mention that every night when he was working on the book, Russ would text me and be like, "You're the wind beneath my wings. I couldn't do any of this without um, without you." Um, I'm. And I was like, don't put me on the book. Don't put me on the book. It would be too embarrassing. Um, but go ahead, Russ. What were you going to say? It's called The Book of Fun. Uh, it is a history, illustrated history book about various fun things from roadside attractions to video games to uh, festivals and, and other uh, things that you do uh, in your spare time. Uh, I wrote it with an illustrator, uh, the illustrator who did stellar, amazing, gorgeous art uh, in this 128-page book, there's tons and tons of art. Uh, his name's Sonny Ross, and uh, Justin very generously contributed a forward to the book. Uh, Chris Plant, as he mentioned, uh, Plant and I hosted a podcast called The History of Fun, uh, which helped inspire us doing this book. Um, with so, Allegra Frank. Credit with Allegra credit Frank, still. of course. Um, but I would say if you like history, if you like uh, really dope art, uh, you can uh, buy it. It's at, you know, wherever books are sold kind of thing, uh, Amazon and, and uh, Barnes and Noble, and but also uh, small indie bookshops. It's out on June 14th. Uh, it's awesome. I'm very, very proud of it. It took a really long time to do. And uh, now it's like a physical thing that exists. So uh, please check it out. Yeah, I, I've, I've actually been reading a copy and it just reminds yeah, me of how great my ideas are. It's delightful how good Russ's book is. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good book, and you should go buy it. Pre-order, you can pre-order it, and then go to your like, go to stores when it comes out, and just buy all the copies. Yeah, that'd be good. Like, oh yeah, it's or really important. That first week is really important mm, for book sales. So go in and then sign Russ's name inside the copies. That's mm, so yeah. helpful. I yeah, want to do it. Russ, like really can I do helpful. a signing event here in Huntington? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just sign your one page. That would be great. Uh, I do want to mention real quick, if you have struggles buying gifts for your dads, Father's Day is coming up in a couple weeks, and it yeah. sucks to buy gifts for Father's Day because no one knows what the fuck to buy a father. Uh, if they're into history stuff, this is a good uh, option. So, And dads love pre-orders. Oh, my they, God. They, they love being prepared. Yeah. yeah. They, they love, love rain checks. Exactly. High socks. They love um, it. Um, hey. Anybody else want to do something that's like less shilly? Than, <laughs> uh, than this, yeah, I can do that. Um, I've been playing a lot of uh, Yoshi's Yarn. What was the Yoshi Switch game called? Oh man, Yoshi's Epic Yoshi Yarn. Yoshi Switch. Epic Yoshi's Yarn. Crafted World. Crafted Maybe. Is that? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah, one. The, that new one. Yeah, yeah I played that with I've Rachel. Been playing that. Mosey discovered it um, while he 
has been sick and now he's a million times better and I'm the sick one and he just belligerently demands that I help him play this game. Um, Do you have to play as Poochie? No, I right now he he hasn't quite grokked aiming the eggs. Yeah, it, like into the foreground and background. That's a little puzzling to him. Uh, he 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 likes me to help him do it. Mm. At the same time, he slowly been revealing that he actually knows how to do most of the stuff he asks me to do, but just thinks it's very funny because I think he can tell I'm a little irritated at a certain <laughs> point. Um, love my child. Love him. I love playing video games with him. This is my dream. But at a certain point, you know, you can only play the same fifth level of Yoshi's yarn adventure for the like 300th time it, it just you gotta know, get all the frog coins you, yeah man you got you i don't think they have frog coins in this game um uh but i i will say this hey you know what nintendo makes really good games for kids they sure um, do actually going and playing these games now with a kid a lot of stuff where i was like too dismissive of them i was wrong and I'm I'm here to admit that these games are excellent in the way that like a great kid's book is excellent. And the writing is charming in a new way to me. The like pacing is great in a, in a different way to me. And watching him play, this is especially true with Kirby. There are so many things in these games that I just straight up did not know existed where you can engage with the environment in like cute little ways that the designers know a four-year-old or a five-year-old or however old is going to like instinctively want to try. But me being a like scummy adult, I'm just going to zip right past. Um, So I've really fallen in love, especially with that new Kirby game. That new Kirby game is like, it's fan-fucking-tastic, as the kids would say. I, uh, (laughs) that is my game I've been playing, is, is the Kirby game. Uh, it's so good. Because I thought I'd beaten it. I talked about it last week, but there, there's a, there's a lot more. <laughs> there's a, I did not know that the game would have a sort of uh, post post game content, but it does, and it's uh, it's pretty good. So thank you, Kirby, for for your generous thank you, gift. Kirby. As we say at the end of every besties, thank you, <laughs> Kirby. Uh, anything else that anyone wants to honorable mention? Shout out. Mm, no, just more Verizon from me. Verizon. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to thank the following people for writing reviews for the besties on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Womp Soy, Diosa Lin, Ultrama, Ultrama, Oh Yeah, It's Josh, and I brought back a, a returning favorite who wrote a review, uh, Brego Stink Lord. <laughs> thank you. Welcome back, Stink Brego. Lord. We've missed you. <laughs> Glum Shadow. Thank you so much. <laughs> Next. Next week, the devil gets his due when we bring the discussion laser over to Diablo Immortal. And we'll be talking about that one no matter what. Not too many Diablo games come out. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I heard it's good. Yeah, I've heard I've heard it's good. I heard it's good. Um, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. Thanks for spending this time with us. We love you very, very much. Um, but that is going to do it for us for this week. So, till next time, for all the other guys, my name is Justin McRae, and thank you for listening to the Besties. Be sure to join us again next time for the Besties, because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? <laughs>